0: My name is Nate Phillips, and I am the champion of JIW. After our debut episode of season four, took the world by storm. The high, yeah, that's right, the highest rated premiere in JICN history, and it's all because of me. And this is my confidant the man closest to me hit him with a little bit of that bubbly buckles check us out on journey into wrestling where the podfather and I run down everything from the bingo halls to the brightest delights if it's in between the ropes it's on journey into wrestling every other Wednesday on the journey into comics network what on earth is that IT'S A JOURNEY INTO COMICS NETWORK PRODUCTION! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to episode 52 of Poor 360, the show that covers topics of importance and topics that I find interesting that I think should be shared to the podcasting universe. Now, for those who don't know me, I am your host, Andrew Poor. so thank you for joining me today. Now, as I was thinking about what I want to talk about today, I was preparing, I was bouncing ideas off uh, some of the fellow network members, and I couldn't decide, like, oh, should I talk about this, should I talk about this, and yeah. So I'm just going to do kind of, I've said it's going to be a two-part episode, so we'll get half of it this week, half of it next week, it might be a little bit longer, so we'll just kind of slice it down the middle. But I just want to kind of break down and talk about kind of everything that's going on in the world as we kick off 2020. I don't um, think you for listened to last week's episode where I talked about the whole Hollywood accounting thing, how um like um uh, movie production studios do different things to make mon- make movies seem less profitable so they don't have to pay their um their people those points they should get off the back end or off the front end and all of that. So Thank you for joining me and listening on that. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, you can always go back and listen. Um, one thing that'll be nice about this two-part, though, is that if you are a Patreon subscriber, you can. Um, both parts will go out today. Obviously, well, they'll both be out on Tuesday. Um, one will just be on Patreon first, and then it'll drop regularly next week. So if you want to do to it early and kind of listen to this whole lump sum, great. If not, yeah, just check out next week. I know big things are happening in 2020 for the network. Um, yeah, like 2020s, uh, we're entering uh, a new decade. We're entering a new year, so it's just it's nice to see we're all um, kind of getting on these uh, kicks now. Like every year, obviously, everyone goes through these like resolutions where they want to, oh, they want to lose weight, they want to exercise more, they want to um, achieve certain goals. And I thought that was kind of interesting that. It's pretty commonplace that, like, oh, every new every like January 1, you should have a New Year's resolution. Like, oh, I want to drink less, or I want to be more social, I want to be nicer to people, all that. So I was kind of curious, like, where this whole thing came from. So I did some kind of some digging, and obviously, um, and it was listening to the show in the past, uh, Wikipedia is a wonderful thing, um, especially if you don't have to cite your sources for college or whatever. so I'm drinking some sparkling water. I'm still kind of getting over a cold because um, I caught something while um, from just traveling over the holidays, and I think I'm I'm finally, I'm off cold medicine, Um, I'm pretty much 100% better, I'm still just, I wake up a little congested in the morning, but a shower, a cup of coffee will turn me right around, and hopefully I don't take any more medicine, I'll just be back to my old self in another day or so. But, um, I gonna say it's like Wikipedia, is a great thing, so I kind of did some digging on there to see... So I was like, "Oh, I should like look and see like what people say are like the the common New Year's resolution that people take." But everyone everyone knows what they are. That's why the gyms are always crowded on January second or the weekend or whatever. Or um, everyone starts eating healthy. They'll like stock their fridge with healthy foods and then slow it or pizza or whatever ends up happening. But um, I was kind of digging through this and uh, New Year's resolutions are most common in like the Western Hemisphere, but uh, it's. Um, the whole of news is when it, in which a person resolves to continue good practices, change an undesired trader behavior to accomplish a personal goal or otherwise improve their life. So a lot of people like to say, like, oh, on Monday I will do this, or um this month I will do this. Like they always like to start on like a a clean, like fresh day. Like, oh, it's the first of the month or the first of the year. They like to have something that's like no one like the procrastinator thing is like, oh, I'm not gonna start it today or right now. I'm gonna give myself time to like ramp up to it like why did i start on like the 27th i'm gonna start on the first that's a clean day i want to do it so apparently it's uh religious and based which is a lot of things it seems to be so uh, babylonians made promises to their gods at the start of each year that they would return borrowed objects and pay their debts so that's exciting and the romans began each year making promises to god janus or janus for which the month of january is named in the medieval era, the knights took the Peacock Vow at the end of the Christmas season each year to reaffirm their commitment to chivalry. So it's like a, a renewal of sorts, like New Year, gonna be just as committed in my my chivalry of being a knight in the medieval era. Uh, at watch night services, which um, I'll look that up just so we we know what watch night services are. So it is a, uh, a watch. It's a late night Christian church service in which. In many different Christians, such as those of Morovians, Baptists, Methodists, Angelicans, Pentecostals, watching services are held late on New Year's Eve the, for the opportunity for Christians to review the year that had passed and make confession and then prepare for the year ahead by praying and resolving. This does not include singing, praying, exhorting, and preaching. Um, I've never heard of watching services before this. I was thinking of Kind of when I first read that, I was thinking of Watchmen, which, besides being a great show on HBO that I've heard a lot of, I haven't watched it yet, but I heard it's... uh goes in a new direction, so definitely check that out if you have HBO, if you want some different show to watch now that um, the movie awards is all that. It's kind of ramping up and it's going to be over by uh, mid-February, and then uh, TV shows are not coming back. So, if you're not keeping up with like currently broadcasting shows, then yeah, maybe check out some stuff on HBO. I know I just watched the Golden Globes last night, and um, shows like um, Chernobyl... And succession on HBO are both good shows, so definitely HBO has got a lot of good stuff this year that, um, should check out. So, the tradition also has many other religious parallels during Judaism's new year, Rosh Hashanah, uh, through the high holidays and culminating in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. One is to reflect upon one's wrongdoing over the year and both seek and offer forgiveness. We connect similarly during the Christian liturgical season of Lent, although, the motive behind this holiday is more of a sacrifice than of responsibility. In fact, the Methodist practice of New Year's resolutions came in part from the Lenten sacrifices. The concept regards of creed is to reflect upon self-improvement annually. Um, so, and the participation. So, at the end of the Great Depression, about a quarter of American adults formed New Year's resolutions. As far as the 21st century, about 40% did. In fact, according to the American Medical Association, approximately 40 to 50% of Americans participated in New Year's resolutions traditions from the 1995 Epcot and the 1985 Gallup polls. A study found... Or as a who made common New Year's resolutions such as weight loss, exercise programs, quitting smoking, were likely to succeed over 10 times as many among those deciding to make life changes at other times of the year. And speaking of quitting smoking, I know um, one thing that um, people from the state of Illinois, which if, you've, um, if you're from here, from the U.S., you know that on uh, January 1st, um, weed in small amounts became legal recreationally for its residents... Um, I know it's not cheap. I know there's a lot of taxes on it, but it made crazy money the first day. I know a lot of the dispensaries near me are already sold out, except for medicinal purposes, which I think is crazy. I think it did something like $3.2 on the first day. Let me just confirm that. But I think that was pretty right. Um, um, let's see what it said here. Uh, does it say how much business it did. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so Illinois-Mariana Dispensaries I right, now it's an ad popped up. Uh, this is from the Chicago Tribune. Illinois-Mariana uh, Dispensaries sold more than 10.8 million worth of recreational weed in the first five days of sales. Now some have halted recreational sales amid product shortages. So that's pretty crazy. I know, I'm really pretty sure it was like over 3 million in the first day in Illinois alone, which is crazy given the fact that it's right after the holidays and it's just so I thought that was pretty uh pretty uh crazy to see um so yeah so um now I'm wondering like everyone sets these resolutions but what is um how people finish the resolutions they start, like oh January 1 I'm gonna say I'm gonna lose 25 pounds by the end of the year uh, how many people actually get to that point? How many see the resolution like, oh, I'm going to give up drinking or give up smoking or gambling, whatever you do, whatever your vices you're trying to give up or something that you think is your resolution. So, in a 2014 report, 35% of participants who failed their New Year's resolution admitted they had unrealistic goals. 30% of participants didn't keep track of their progress and 23% forgot about them. About 1 in 10 respondents claimed they made too many resolutions. A 2007 study by Richard Weissman from the University of Bristol involving 3,000 people showed that 88% of those who set news resolutions fail. Despite the fact that 52% of the study participants were confident of success at the beginning, men achieved their goal 22% more often when they engaged in goal-setting, wherein resolutions are made in terms of small and measurable goals, lost a pound a week rather than lose weight. So, doesn't look like, oh, I am going to... Maybe I'm not going to... I'm going to go out to eat one less time a week, or I'm going to have um one less cup of coffee during the day or something that you can see more specifically not like oh i'm going to um read all the books i own in the in the year like that's just unrealistic especially if you're like most people who have almost as many books as days in the year or maybe that's a little bit of extreme but you never know with these things but yeah so that's kind of where i kind of want to jump in um I, I really haven't said about this. Really. I'm just trying to keep on things I was doing last year and improve things that need to be improved. I'm not really setting any specific goals. I'm just looking at just general improvements. So that's where that is. Um, I know um, a lot of kind of great stuff is happening at the beginning of the year. I know what we saw politically right before the holidays was that Trump was formally impeached. There was everything with the trial. Um we saw there were a lot of Democratic candidates and we didn't know who was, how it's going to get whittled down or what's to come in by the time we get to the uh, primaries in the next few months. And then there's also the fact that, like, I feel like almost the whole continent of Australia is on fire. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about uh, today and on next week's show. We're going to kind of find a logical stopping point. I think I have it kind of laid out how I'm going to talk about it, but we'll kind of see where... The rest of this show kind of progresses. So, if anyone follows uh, Trump on Twitter, um, we're kind of in uh, kind of in a in a crazy bit here. So, um, before we get into the beach, I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna go through this article which I found um, that kind of gives an update. I'll break into. Um, kind of what's going on with iran which is a whole nother thing um uh see where we are with the status of the impeachment um yeah so we'll see kind of where the rest of this show takes um Okay, so, where we're going to jump in, so, where we are with the Trump impeachment, so what happens next with the U.S. on the brink of war with Iran and Senate trial in limbo? So, uh, Donald Trump returned to the White House from Bargo Lago Sunday evening after the two-week breakdown there over the Christmas and New Year's holiday. So, so while he was on there, so, in addition to signing off on killing of Iran's top general, Qasem Soleimani, or Soleimani? I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's not that... Crazy deal, So he so he threatened fresh instability in the Middle East without forewarning Congress or his international political allies. The US President used the festive hiatus to relax with family and friends, keep a steady stream of tweets to his followers with one eye on the year's upcoming election in plot as response to his impeachment. So vote in the House of Representatives on December eighteenth, twenty eighteen, 2018, which I've talked about before. passed uh, pass two hours impeach against Mr. Trump, charging him with abuse of power by withholding three hundred ninety-one million in congressionally approved military aid to Ukraine as he asked the Eastern European nation to launch an anti-corruption probe into domestic rival Joe Biden and his obstruction of Congress when it subsequently sought to investigate his actions. The vote marked the culmination of months of detective work by the Democratic-led inquiry into his 25th of July phone call with Vladimir Zelensky, a process that ended in a series of dramatic televised public hearings with senior diplomats and national security officials. But House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has since declined to pass the articles on to the Republican-held Senate for the next phase of proceedings, expressing concern that the Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, would not allow a fair trial to take place after he openly admitted he would be taking direction from the White House and would not himself be impartial. Which I've also talked about before, and I think that's crazy. There's definitely, there's got to be a separation of powers within the three branches of government. And yeah, going with the, going in with the White House on the trial is just kind of ridiculous. Regardless of how you feel about the whole impeachment trial and everything else. So, when he was ready to agree on the rules of engagement and the situation seemingly mired in deadlock, here's what both sides are saying. So, on Friday, Mr. McConnell took the floor of the upper chambers to address the state of play. He said, let me clarify, Senate rules and Senate history for those who may be confused. First, about the fantasy the Speaker of the House will get to hand-design the trial proceedings in the Senate that obviously a non-starter, he said. We've heard claims that it's a problem that I've discussed trial mechanics with the White House, even as my counterpart, the Democratic leaders, openly coordinating political strategy with the Speaker, who some might call the prosecution, so it's okay to have a consultation within the prosecution, but not apparently with the defendant. We can't hold a trial without the articles," he added. "So for now, we're continuing to continue the ordinary business of the Senate. Senate, sorry. Democrat Chuck Schumer, the Senate Minority Leader, responded by saying that Mr. McConnell, who has styled himself the Grim Reaper of Democratic bills, intends to act as an executioner of a fair trial. Leader McConnell has been clear and vocal that he has no intention to be partial in this process. Thankfully, the rules of impeachment trial will be determined by a majority of the senators in this chamber, not by the Republican leader alone. Mr. Schumer then appeared on the ABC's This Week on Sunday and told George Stephanopoulos he hoped four Republican senators would join the Democratic cause and push for a fair format as Mr. Trump's future in the Oval Office is placed up for debate. If the president is acquitted through a sham trial, through a mock trial, where there are no witnesses where everything is covered up, that will not stand... "...him well with the American people and will not stand the Republicans with the American people," the New York Democrat said. "...where but in Alice in Wonderland do we hear all the, these arguments and then have maybe have the evidence, the witness in the trial?" he asked. "...any final vote in the Senate, the Democrats would ultimately need at least 20 Republicans to agree with the prosecution's case to secure the 67E to secure the President's removable office. But those four defections in the meantime would be enough to secure key procedural wins, empowering the opposition to call witnesses and demand documents of interest." For her part, Speaker Pelosi tweeted on Friday that Mr. McConnell made clear that he will feebly comply with President Trump's cover-up of his abuse of power and be an accomplice to that cover-up. The American people deserve the truth. So now what took place at Margot Lago while this was happening? As President Trump he took to social media on Saturday to complain. It's a shame that the Democrats make us spend so much time and money on this ridiculous impeachment light hoax. Light spelled L-I-T-E like Miller light Miller Lite. I believe, yeah, Miller Lite's the one that's spelled L-I-T-E. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I should be able to devote all of my time to the real USA, in all caps. Keen to downplay the snippets of the process while tactically admitting he continued to dominate his thoughts. The president spent the holidays contingency planning with his inner circle. Mr. Trump was seen chatting with his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, and Fox News anchor Lou Dobbs at his New Year's Eve party in West Palm Beach. An otherwise spent vacation time discussing media strategy with the likes of influential Republican Senator Lindsey Graham ex-Congressman Trey Gowdy, and veteran conservative radio personality Rush Limbaugh. Back in Washington, White House Counsel Pat Kippelone reportedly spent the time on the second floor of the West Wing interviewing GOP allies with a view to securing help with opening and closing statements and the presentation of evidence. Loyalist Congressman Matt Goetz, John Ratcliffe, and Jim Jordan, have all, meanwhile, have tipped to play a role in the upcoming proceedings by their colleagues. Mark Meadows speaking on Steve Bannon's podcast, War Room Impeachment, last week. Mr. Cablon and Jay Sekulow, another private attorney, are expected to appear for Mr. Trump's defense with as many as 12 other lawyers reportedly in contention to join them, including TV pundit Alan Dershowitz, spotted at Margolago on Christmas Eve. So, how might the Iran crisis impact proceedings? While partisan disagreements over the format of the Senate trial can presumably be overcome, the great unknown in all of this is how Iran will respond to the assassination of popular uh, Quds commander Soleimani, who was killed in a U.S. airstrike near Baghdad airport on Friday. Toronto has reacted angrily to his death, threatening revenge attacks against America and withdrawing from its remaining denuclearization commitments as citizens took to the streets of its cities to mourn his passing. President Trump is, war- is in turn warned that 52 sites at a very high level and important to Iran and Iranian culture will be targeted should the regime... Retaliate If that warning is not heeded. and Iran does lash out, the U.S. could find itself at war and the impeachment proceedings left looking like decidedly secondary concern. With the president's judgment already in question, the decision to take out Salmani without previous briefing Congress, as is required to do by the War Powers Act of 1973, or his fellow world leaders has enabled Mr. Trump to portray himself as a strong man before his supporters but has prompted his opponents to accuse him of engineering the crisis as a distraction from his domestic travails. We know Donald Trump is very upset about the upcoming impeachment trial. Massachusetts Senator and presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren told NBC's Meet the Press on Sunday. But look what he's doing now. He is taking us to the edge of war. She went on to liken the situation to the 1997 political satire Wag the Dog. Donald Trump was just impeached a week and a half ago, and we need to get to the bottom of how and who helped him carry out his illegal cover-up. Democratic Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz agreed on CNN last week. That's outrageous, I think. That has a lot to do with what this attack was about. So that's kind of where we're catching up. And like I briefly talked about regarding the U.S.-Iran tensions that resulted from the the assassination. So where we are now with that. So as of just a couple hours ago... um, there is definitely uh, calls for revenge. Uh, they've, they've grown louder as hundreds of thousands of people gather in Iranian capital to pay respects to Soleimani. So, the funeral processions to honor Qassam Soleimani and top Iranian military commander who was assassinated last week in an air raid by the United States in Baghdad are underway in Iran. Soleimani, the head of Iran's elite Quds force, was killed with Ab- Abu Mahdi al Muhandis, the deputy commander of Iraq's Popular Mobilization Forces, or PMF, or uh Hasht al Sabi, an Iranian-backed umbrella organization comprising several militias. So other people were also killed in Friday's attack. So the move by the US has drawn condemnation from international leaders and officials who fear the tension of the region could escalate dramatically. Sorry, drastically. Similar, but still not the same. Iran's Supreme Leader Ali Hassan Khamenei warned that the harsh retaliation is waiting. On Saturday, US President Donald Trump threatened to hit fifty-two Iranian sites very hard if Iran attacked US citizens or assets. So here's what we know as of today. So uh, Esper said US military would not break the law of war. So US Defense Secretary Mark Esper suggested that the cultural that the US military would not violate the law of armed conflict by striking Iranian culture sites, a move threatened by Trump. As for whether he was willing to target cultural sites, Esper told Pentagon Reporters we will not we will follow the law of armed conflict. Person whether he would then target not target the sites because that would be a war crime, Esper said, that's the law of armed conflict. Uh, U.S. President Mike Pence will give a speech laying out the government's policy on Iran, a White House official said. So Pence will make the remarks at the Foundation for Defense of Democracy's National Security Summit in Washington Expected to focus on differences between Iranian people and their government, the official said, speaking on condition of anonymity. Ooh, scary. Uh, So Saudi Saudi Arabia's Deputy Defense Minister, Prince Khalid bin Salman, said in a tweet that he met U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and discussed events in the region, along with efforts to maintain regional, international peace and stability. Um, the U.S. wanted to explain to the Iraqi military that there has been an increased movement of aircraft, including transportating forces between bases in Iraq, and also moving them into Iraq from Kuwait. U.S. Army General Mark Milley, or Miley, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, told or a group of reporters, it, the draft letter, was sent over to some key Iraqi military guys in order to get these coordinated-for-air movements. Then it went from that guy's hands to another guy's hands, and then it went to your hands. Now it's a kerfuffle, Millie said. Millie said the unsigned draft document was sent around to get input from Iraqi officials, the kind of thing he said he does regularly. I send drafts all over to Washington, D.C. that aren't signed to get people's input and feedback. The long and short of it is, in an, it's an honest mistake. but people trying to do the right thing in highly dynamic situations, it should not have been sent. So, a top U.S. general told reporters that a letter from the U.S. military to Iraq that created impressions of an imminent U.S. withdrawal was instead a poorly worded draft document meant only to underscore increased movement of forces. Poorly worded implies withdrawal. That's not what's happening. U.S. Army General Mike Malley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, said, there is no withdrawal being planned. This U.S. has no plans to pull out of military from Iraq. Defense Secretary Mark Esper told Pentagon reporters following reports by Reuters and other media of a U.S. military letter about a withdrawal. There's been no decision whatsoever to leave Iraq, Esper said when asked about the letter, adding there had also been no plans issued to prepare to leave. I don't know what the letter is. We're trying to find out where that's coming from, what that is, but there's been no decision made to leave Iraq, period. Esper added the U.S. was still committed to countering ISIL in Iraq along America's alongside America's allies and partners. The U.S. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said U.S. should wait for the facts before criticizing Donald Trump's decision. We can and we should learn more about the intelligence thinking that led to this operation and the plan to defend American personnel and interests in the wake of it. McConnell said at the U.S. is capital after legislators returned from winter break. Unfortunately, in this toxic political environment, some of our colleagues rushed to blame our own government before even knowing the facts. Rushed to split hairs about intelligence before being briefed on it. Kuwait Foreign Minister um, Sheikh Ahmad Nasser al Mohammed al Sabah received a phone call from the US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Kuwait's UNC said, Kuna reported that the leaders discussed the latest development in the region and affirmed the importance of de escalation and dealing with these developments in a spirit of wisdom and self restraint in order to achieve its security and stability. The head of US military's task force, Iraq. Brigadier General William Seeley sent a letter to the head of Iraq's Joint Operations Command, Reuters and the AFP reported. The letter said troops would be positioning forces over the course of the coming days and weeks to prepare for onward movement. The letter reportedly added, We respect your sovereign decision in, to order our departure. The U.S. defense official and Iraq defense commander confirmed the letter that was real and had been delivered. Iran's President Hassan Rouhani warned his U.S. counterpart Donald Trump to never threaten the Iranian nation, Trump issued a U.S. strike that lists the 52 targets in the Islamic Republic. Those who refer to the number 52 should also remember the number 290. Uh, num- uh, hashtag IR655. Never threaten the Iranian nation, Rania tweeted, referring to 290 lives lost in July 1988 when U.S. warship shot down passenger plane Iran Air 655 in the Gulf. Trump warned that that Washington lined up 52 targets in Iran if it attacked U.S. personnel or assets in retaliation for a U.S. drone strike in Baghdad that killed Iran's top commander. He said 52 represents the number of Americans held hostage at the U.S. Embassy in Tehran for more than a year, starting in late 1979. So all members of the Atlantic Alliance stood behind the U.S. in the Middle East after it briefed NATO on its drone strike that killed Soleimani, NATO's Secretary General said. Speaking after a NATO meeting on Iran and Iraq, in which the U.S. briefed allies about last Friday's drone strike, NATO Secretary General John Stonk Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg also called for a de-escalation of tensions, echoing the statements of some European leaders. Um, uh, the European Union foreign ministers will hold emergency talks on the Iran crisis on Friday, diplomats told the AFP news agency. Joseph Burrell, the EU's High Representative for Foreign Affairs, tweeted that the 2015 nuclear deal, which had been teetering on the brink of collapse since President Trump withdrew support, was now more important than ever will lead a meeting of foreign ministers at 1300 GMT on Friday. Three diplomats said the ministers are slated to discuss the fallout from the Soleimani killings and the future of the nuclear deal. UN Cultural Body UNESCO reminded the U.S. that it signed treaties committing to not harming cultural heritage on the events of armed conflict after President Donald Trump threatened to target Iranian culture sites. Just another quick drink here. Um, I know need always, whenever he does the water drinks, always gets you up to... ...my show, which is great. Uh, I always appreciate that. Um, I'll just give it right back to him. Definitely check out... ...During the Comics, there's a lot of great content. A lot of good Star Wars content with... um, ...this finale of... ...The Mandalorian that just happened a couple weeks back... ...with Star Wars The Rise Skywalker still in theaters... um, ...causing a lot of divided tension... ...the same way last Jedi did, but for different reasons. Um... I haven't finished The Mandalorian I saw the first episodes which were great I still hope to finish that sometime in the next couple weeks Uh, I did see Rise of Skywalker Um, I haven't really talked about it too much I thought it was a great film definitely check out um, the last couple episodes of JSC where they go deep on that as well as Podcast V's talked about it and uh, I believe other shows on the network have as well Uh, so the UNESCO Director uh, General Audrey Azule said at a meeting with Iranian ambassador to the organization that both Tehran and Washington had signed a 1972 convention obliging states not to undertake any deliberate measures which might damage directly or indirectly the culture and national heritage of other states. So, Iran's foreign minister reiterated his country's stance for the U.S. military should be expelled from the Middle East. Mohammad Javad Zarif urged U.S. President Donald Trump to distance himself from the advice to seek confrontation with Iran. Do you still want to listen to the clowns advising you on your region? He wrote on his Twitter page. You still imagine you can break the will of this great nation? So British, Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson agreed with Iraq's Prime Minister Abdel Abdul Mahdi on his need to de-escalate tensions in the region when they spoke by phone on Monday. The leaders discussed the need to de-escalate tensions in the region following the death of Qassam Salmani, and agreed to work together to find a diplomatic way forward. The Prime Minister underlined the UK's unwavering commitment to Iraq's stability and sovereignty and emphasis on the importance of the continued fight against the shared threat from Daesh. The statement said, Using the Arabic acronym for ISIL. So Saudi Arabia's foreign minister said the kingdom did not want to see further escalation of tension in the region at a very dangerous moment. We're very keen that the situation in the region doesn't escalate any further. It's certainly a very dangerous moment, and we have to be conscious of the risks and dangers, not just to the region, but to the wider global security. Prince Fasal bin Farhan told a news briefing in Ridja, We hope that all actors take all this necessary to prevent any further escalation and any provocation. Iraq's top leadership gathered to receive condolences for Iraqi's paramilitary commander, Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis, who was killed alongside Wussamani on Friday, outgoing Prime Minister Adil Abdul Mahdi, uh, thanked all the mourners who attended the Knolses at his office in Baghdad, calling Al-Mohandi's a heroic leader with a pure soul. NATO's ruling committee will meet on Monday, to discuss the further of the organization's training missions in Iraq. The North Atlantic Council will address the situation in the region. The Secretary General decided to convene the meeting of NATO ambassadors following consultation with allies. Ambassadors of the 29 allies will gather in Brussels at 3 p.m. with Secretary General Jen Stolberg, expected to brief journalists afterwards. I'm sorry, this is a lot of information. Um, this is from Al Jazeera, um, Al Jazeera US, um, giving the full rundown. Um, given what's going on over there, Al Jazeera seems like a good source, and it seems being very informative. Um, definitely a lot of info, though, so bear with me. So, I announcement that that will abandon limitations on enriching uranium is concerning, and Britain is urging, Urgently speaking to parties about the next of the take, a spokesman for Prime Minister Boris Johnson said. So the spokesman also said there were intentionally conventions in place to prevent the destruction of culture held inside of Trump threatened to hit them if Toronto attacks U.S. citizens or assets. So Pakistan does not want to be a part of the regional conflict. Um, the foreign minister for Pakistan said will not let its soil be used against any other state and that Islamabad will not be part of any regional conflict. Shah Mahoud Khashoggi's comments followed his contacts with the foreign minister of Iran, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and Turkey He called for restraints and de-escalation as tensions rise over the U.S. killing of Salmani. Uh, Qureshi, in a Twitter post on Monday, added that Pakistan's position was very clear in standing for peace and stability and that violence must be avoided. Pakistan has been a key ally of of the U.S. in its war on terror since the September 11 attacks, also close allied with Saudi Arabia, but tries to maintain a diplomatic balancing act between Riyadh and Tehran. Uh, Merkel, uh, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, will travel to Russia on January 11 to discuss the Middle East crisis with President Vladimir Putin, the Russian leader's press service said. The government said Merkel will head to Russia at Putin's invitation, the two leaders also plan to discuss the situation in Syria. France's finance minister said the current tension in the region could affect global economic growth and reinvigorate ISIL. You must always ask who is served by and who profits from this instability, Brunelli Mayer told France Inter radio. The instability in the Middle East today benefits only one organization, the Islamic State Group. He's referring to the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, also known as ISIS. Le Maire added that this instability will increase the terrorist threat over France and Europe. So, uh, so hundreds of thousands people turned out to the capital pay their final respects to Samani as the multi-city ceremony for the slain commander continued in Iran. Iran's Supreme Leader Ali Hassan Khamenei led prayers at the Tehran funeral, meeting at one point during the traditional Muslim prayer for the dead. Is Ismail Hanyeh, the leader of Hamas, in an, in an address to Iranian mourners in Tehran, described Samani as the martyr of Jerusalem. The martyr of Jerusalem. That's uh, getting a little Christian there. Um, I've been bound the Palestinian group will walk Samani's way to confront the Zionist project and the American influence. Haniyeh's visit to the Iran comes into Egypt allowed him to travel for his first regional tour since his 2017 election into the Hamas leadership, on the that he did not visit Iran, according to the Arab and Israeli media reports. So, a sea of men wearing black and women in black shadors waited for the arrival of Samani's remains as loudspeakers blared morning hymns through central Tehran. Mm-hmm. A traffic jam formed the intersection leading to the unfinished Grand Mosque, named after the late Supreme Leader Raul Khomeini, where Supreme Leader Ali Hassan Khomeini led the prayers to Salmani. He will be brought to his hometown of Kerman on Tuesday for final rites before his burial. NATO's ambassador will meet at the alliance headquarters in Brussels on Monday amid mounting tensions following the killing. The Lunaric Council will address the situation in the region. Secretary General decided to convene the meeting of NATO ambassadors following consultation with allies. So Germany's foreign minister and in- Said threatening Iraq with sanctions is not very helpful. After U.S. President Donald Trump warned that Baghdad would be hit by sanctions like they've never seen before if U.S. forces were forced to leave, I don't think it works to convince Iraq with threats, but with arguments. Heiko Maas told Deutsch, Deutschland Funk public radio. Deutschland Funk. Oh man. He added that Germany, Britain, and France would discuss the Iran nuclear deal on Monday, and would. Uh, react to the week of Tehran's recent announcement that it would further roll back its commitment to the 2015 landmark agreement. We will definitely talk to Iran again. What has been announced is, however, not consistent with the agreement. The situation has not got easier, and this would be the first step to the end of this agreement, which would be a big loss, so we will weigh this up very, very responsibly now. So China criticizes the U.S. for aggravating tension, Middle East through its military interventionism over the standoff, between Washington and Tehran, and urged all parties to exercise restraint to ensure political stability, power politics are neither popular nor sustainable. Um, Chinese foreign minister spokesman Gang Shuang uh, said at a daily briefing, the U.S. risky military behavior in recent days goes against the basic norms of international relations. We call on the U.S. not to abuse its force and appeal to relevant parties to exercise restraint to avoid the situation worsening. He said, adding that China is highly concerned about the standoff between Iran and the U.S. South Africa's ruling African National Congress Party condemned the U.S. airstrike that killed Iran's Soleimani as an act of international terrorism. The statement appeared in a Facebook post over the weekend and was issued by Party Secretary General Ace Magashule. South Africa's foreign minister released a more measured statement on Friday supporting Iraq's sovereignty and calling for dialogue and calm. In a statement, the former libertarian Asian movement once led by Nelson Mandela called the Raw Aggression, an attack on Iran's sovereignty, and it's called for maximum restraint. Turkey's foreign minister, Melvit Kuskogulu, said that the killing of Samani is a serious risk for the peace in the region. We'll work with the country's reduce tensions between the U.S. and Iran, Kuskogulu told reporters of the Directorate for UAE Affairs at the capital in Ankara. Zainab Salmani, daughter of the slain general, told crowds at her father's funeral procession in Tehran, the U.S. and Israel faced a dark day for his death. Crazy chum, don't think that everything is over with my father's martyrdom, she said in a dress broadcast on state television. Uh, Brigadier General Esmel Connie, the new commander of the Coots forces, said he aimed to expel the U.S. from the region in the wake of Salmani's killing. We promise to continue martyrdom Salmani's path with the same force and the only compensation for us would be to remove America from the region, Connie was quoted by saying by state radio. Uh, on Sunday, yesterday, uh, U.S. House Representative Speaker Nance Pelosi said the House will introduce and vote on War Power's resolution this week to limit President Trump's military actions regarding Iran. This resolution is similar to the resolution introduced by Senator Tim Kaine in the Senate. Tim Kaine. Sorry. I read his name and it reminded me that he was Hillary Clinton's vice president. On the way to work, I was trying to think of vice presidents and, like, hopeful vice presidents and, like, how, um... Um... Like how I couldn't just think of the names of some of the vice presidents uh, vice presidents that have been picked for the losing candidate in an election. And I couldn't think of Senator Tim Kaine's name, and now I now I know remember it again. So that's what he said, uh, police said in a statement on Sunday. It reasserts Congress's long established oversight responsibilities by mandating that if no further congressional action is taken, the administration's military hostilities will regard Iran cease within thirty days. Um Trump insisted on Sunday that Iranian culture sites were fair game for a U.S. military dismissing concerns with his own administration that doing so would constitute a war crime under international law. The president first raised the prospect in a tweet on Saturday where he said the U.S. had 52 targets in sight. Speaking to reporters as he returned to Washington D. from a holiday in Florida, he repeated the threat. They're allowed to kill our people. Trump said they're allowed to torture and maim our people. They're allowed to use roadside bombs to blow up our people and we're not allowed to touch their culture sites. It doesn't work that way. I can see where he's coming from but this still seems ridiculous. Um, Trump threatens Iraq sink. So Trump threatens sanctions against Baghdad on Sunday after Iraq's parliament called on US troops to leave the country. Speaking on Air Force One, Trump said if Iraq asked US force to leave and it was not done on a friendly basis, we'll charge them sanctions that they've never seen before. It will make Iranian sanctions look somewhat tame. He also said Iraq would have to pay for the cost of an airbase that US had helped develop in that country. We've done a very we have a very extraordinary expensive airbase that's there. It costs billions of dollars to build, long before my time. We're not leaving unless they pay us back for it. It's always about the money. Nader Hashemi, director of the Center for Middle East Studies at the University of Denver, told Al Jazeera Trump's comments were cause for concern. This is someone who is completely surrounded by war hawks, is driven by his ego, and is is in a re-election campaign, Hashemi said. I think he's calculating that this type of tough rhetoric plays well with his domestic base. Which it probably does. I know a lot of people um, that are big fans of Trump have been on fire, have seen it on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, so I'm definitely, I kind of agree that it is um, people all ready and the whole World War III, world War III threats and people like, I use my own guns, all that, just crazy. Uh, France, Germany, and the United Kingdom called on Iran to refrain from any violent actions and respect arrangements laid out in the JCPOA's 2015 nuclear deal with world powers. Three countries are also highlighted the importance of de-escalating tensions in Iraq and Iran and reaffirmed their determination to fight the ISIL group. We reaffirm our commitment to continue the fight against Islamic State, which remains our priority. It is essential that we keep the coalition in this regard. We call on the Iraqi authorities to continue to supply the necessary support to the coalition, the three said in a statement. We are ready to continue talks with all parties in order to contribute to de-escalating tensions and re-establish stability in the region. The office of French President Emmanuel Macron said he was expected to hold talks with Iranian President Hassan Rouhani in the coming days. Um... I think that is a good stopping point. That is a lot of talk about what is going on overseas. This is where I'm going to end part one of this two parts. Um, When we come back with uh, part two uh, next week or in a few moments, if you jump over to the Patreon and listen, definitely check out what we'll talk more about the impeachment. We'll talk about the Democratic candidates. We'll talk about what's going on in Australia, but that'll do it for this episode Part one of Poor 360 talking about New Year's resolutions um, a little bit on the impeachment trial and the whole impeachment process as well as the assassination of um, I just said his name so many times Salmani's uh, Kassam Salmani's killing Um, so yes definitely uh, stay tuned next week for more uh, fun world news us news all of that because it's all kind of tied together in this um in this world we live in so definitely stay tuned thanks guys for listening